You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Ned Barker from Currency Cloud. And today I'm with a very special guest, Justinas from Transfogo. Welcome, Justinas. Ned, thank you for having us on the show. It's great to have you on. And Justinas, for our listeners um, who may not know you, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your background before we uh, head into, you know, Transfogo as a business? Yeah, so very briefly at, at, at the beginning, so I'm one of the co-founders and chief operating officer at TransferGo. And TransferGo, we are a global fintech business with remittances or, you know, digital international money transfers and payments at the core of our offering. But I think first of first and the most importantly, I'm a, I'm, I'm a migrant myself. I came to the UK to do my finance degree in 2008. And then living, you know, and studying abroad, I immediately faced all the challenges around financial services and how nobody actually cares about you as a customer, at least back then. And from the difficulty to opening a bank account to all the complexity and ridiculous cost of international money transfers. And while at university, I and my co-founder, Domantas, we've been running an eco-friendly merchandise business. At, at that time, we came up with a local in local out model you know to avoid as much as possible international banking challenges when paying our local partners and suppliers and just before graduating we noticed that our own kind of little hack could help many other guys like us and after graduation we got two more crazy guys you know we convinced two more crazy guys to join our adventure who shared our pain you know they were migrants themselves and they were excited to join us on a mission to provide simpler, better financial services and to help hardworking people to improve a life for themselves and their families. And that's, I think, what we do really well at TransferGo. We truly care about our communities, our customers, and our vision is to enable them to climb up the opportunity ladder for a better financial services tailored to the needs. When it comes to my role, I transitioned to the chief operating officer role at the end of the last year. And today I collaborating a lot with a functional leadership team at uh, TransferGo, as well as operational teams such as customer care, financial operations, compliance operations, you know, financial crime prevention, as well as product management and business process management. And I think what I'm really focusing myself on is doing how we can enhance our day-to-day operations and looking into how do we organize ourselves you know, to keep close alignment on a strategy and objectives, we use OKRs, and how do we empower the teams to move and execute faster, and how can we collaborate better at a cross-functional level. And I think I, I really like the quote from Steve Jobs where he said that the best innovation sometimes is the company and the way you organize the company. And, you know, at this uh, stage of transfer goal, like at a scale up level, it's this is what I'm really focusing myself on today. That, that, that's an amazing introduction. And, and thank you for that. It leads us really nicely, actually, into the into the second question, really, which is this is Transfergo's 10th anniversary, which is an amazing milestone in itself. You know, in the fintech community, particularly startups, most startups don't make it past the second year. Um, so what do you think Transfergo's recipe of success has been? Why, why do you think you guys have been so successful um, to date and have made it to such a milestone? 
Yeah, so it is a huge milestone. And I personally, and we as TransferGo organization, we don't take it uh, for granted, actually. And when I was thinking about, you know, the recipe of success, I think more than anything, I would like to actually express my real sincere gratitude for the five key ingredients, potentially one maybe secret ingredient. So I think first of all is customers who come back, customers who come back daily, weekly, monthly to use our product and service. Because if you think about remittances, it's a retention business. So making sure that the product we provide is a good product, good service, and we take the best care of our customers is the key, I think, for success. So really thank you, you know, to all of our customers who trust us and to all the amazing customer care team who actually help them with challenges and opportunities daily. So definitely, I think number one, I think for any startup is, you know, having customers who use your product and service. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the ingredients. I think the second is the founders, you know, Doman, Tessedna, Sarnas, each of us is very different character, you know, and diversity, I think, in the founding team is important. So the more skill set, the more diversity you can bring to, to the founding team, I think that that helps a lot at the early days. And I'm really glad, you know, that the producing force of our CEO Domantas has been pushing us all forward <laughs> daily. So I think that's important. Uh, number three, I think our very first employees, and again, I can even name like Thomas, Monica, Vitas, Martas. We've been very lucky to get through missionaries at the beginning of our journey. And I think what that led to is that those guys you know, brought more missionaries on board. So again, really thank you to all the first employees, as well as to all the employees who followed and have been part of our journey. Number four, investors, I think from the angel to venture capital funds, I think we've been extremely They've been extremely supportive over the years, and I think we, we truly believe in the fundamentals of the business and our mission. And on top of that, we love emerging markets. So because we, in intermittent service, we operate a lot in uh, emerging markets, and that's uh, and I think maintaining from day one, maintaining a good relationship, you know, with your investors helps a lot. You know, when you face challenges. And there will be challenges, there will be, you know, challenges that needs to be resolved, some arguments, but I think, you know, from day one, having sort of shareholders, investors who truly believe uh, in the market, in your mission, I think helps a lot. And then number five is, uh, I think, market timing. I think we've been lucky to jump into a fintech industry at the right time. So that was 2012. I think early days to quote unquote, like a fintech maybe war. But yeah, and that I think uh, that luck is to some extent the secret ingredient, I think, which comes on top of, you know, all the other things I mentioned, like customers, founders, first employees, investors, market timing. I think you still need to get lucky sometimes. <laughs> and, and that comes usually on a, this is something you can't, you can't uh, buy, you can't chase but it comes typically on uh, all the hard work on, and, and, and having all the other components in place. So I think, yeah, that's my, my, my opinion, you know, what, at least what's been a recipe for us so far, of all the recipe which been, has been working for us so far. Yeah, so it's really interesting to hear that, actually. And I think there's some real synergies between uh, TransferGo and, and Currency Cloud's values and, and, and mm -hmm. the things, that been the, the, the key ingredients for both our successes, actually, which is really interesting to hear. And so, obviously, a successful business that's been running in the fintech market, specifically within the remittance market, you're going to have faced your industry challenges over the last 10 years. 
How has TransferGo gone about solving specific challenges that you faced, whether they've been, you know, big ones or, or small? Yeah. So, Nat, I'm not even sure where to start. <laughs> you know, with all these challenges. Like, I think first is, I don't know how many people, you know, still remember, but one of the biggest challenges for us and in our industry back in the day was de-risking in the banking sector for a money service business. And that lasted, I think, for a couple of years between 2013, 2016. So that was, you know, basically what happened that the banks were closing accounts, both for us, our fintech players. It was very challenging to maintain or open a new relationships. And I think that really hurt the industry and especially, you know, and mostly customers at the end of the day, because that increased the cost. Certain corridors had even to move, you know, to the black markets, which makes it even more risky, expensive for consumers. But I think in, in terms of solving this problem, again, we had to go around the market. We had to find alternative. So payment providers, including, let's say, the currency cloud, you know, that played a role even back then. And I think, again, we have a very long-lasting relationship with the currency cloud. So I think uh, alternative payment providers was one part of the solution. Again, gaining more scale down over the years, gaining more scale, I think, made it a bit easier to, got, uh, to get banks you know, interested to work together. But that was probably one of the biggest first challenge we faced. And then uh, we had, you know, Brexit lasting from 2016 to 2020, then COVID, then Great Resignation, you know, recently, you know, which is very sensitive to us and our communities is the war in Ukraine. These days is also high inflation, recession. So I think each challenge is unique and you definitely need, uh, you know, the team to, to address these challenges. So this is something you can't do alone. And uh, again, as Charles Darwin said, it's not the strongest that survive. It's, you know, the ones who, be, who are able to adapt, adjust to the changing environment. So I think this was the main, uh, maybe potentially, you know, the main solution, how, how agile you are, how, how quickly you are able to adjust. And at the same time, again, one of our, one of our strengths, biggest strengths of our CEO, Don, this is how is he able to focus on a single problem at hand. So I think that, again, in these stress situations, you know, being able to focus on the main main problem and address it, I think is a really, really important thing. So that, that typically what helped us in these situations that, you, you know, you drop, when, when there is a fire at home, you know, you drop everything else, you focus on solving that problem and you're looking ways to, to adjust and potentially, you know, come through even stronger in in most situations. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that considering all of the things that have happened in the last, you know, 12, 14 years, it's starting with the recession and then moving on to things like Brexit and COVID. It's, it's amazing that companies have still been able to operate, particularly in, in these industries that are, you know, highly saturated. And, and so companies like yourselves who are still able to operate and serve these customers, it, it's real testament to, to you and your team who've been able to build these businesses and, and sustain them. And so interested to hear more about TransferGo generally. And, you know, something that we see quite a lot is new digital innovators coming into the market and having to compete with the, the kind of the legacy providers in the market. And I'm interested to, uh, to kind of speak to you about how TransferGo kind of fosters, you know, digital inclusion and how you make the services more accessible to your, to your, to your clients. And I, and I guess more importantly, more affordable to migrants and their families. Could you talk to me a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so I think every business would say we want you know, to foster financial inclusion and you know make financial services more accessible, but this is really different you know, for us. The migrant community is uh, sort of embedded in transfer go DNA, and we fundamentally understand the frustrations, the demands, the cross-border payments, because we are them and they are us. So we built a direct line from, I think, in, in the first place, like we built a direct line from a customer service team into our CEO, into our leadership team. And even yesterday, like on a Domantas calendar, on our CEO calendar, he was actually shadowing, you know, the customer care agents. And I think this is where we get truly a lot of insights about our customers. So, so I think we try from day one, I think we try to keep customers, customer care team at the core of what we do at Transfer Go. And um, um, every new market we open is, is, you know, a success. So our product innovation remains aligned with customer demands and expectations. Yeah, at least we achieve this way. In our customer support center, we have employees over 25 different nationalities. We have customer agents which are fluent in uh, native languages uh, all over the market. So I think that that helps a lot to increase, you know, the financial inclusion for those migrants who are much more sensitive. But uh, if you bring closer to home, you can look at what we've done over the last couple of months, you know, to support displaced people from Ukraine in the best way we know how, developing services to help them, to help other markets to get most of their money. And a couple of examples, like we've been, we helped a lot to the Ukrainian embassy in the UK and other charities in European Union to access donation and finances to help civilians. Providing refugees with access to finances is a basic human right. And uh, while it's just one of many of their life's necessities, I think we hope it will, you know, support the healing process. So I think in, in a, making those financial services accessible, on top of that, the, some of our customers are actually making a living by using our Refer a Friend program, again, referring customers, referring friends to us. So we do actually a lot. And I think, again, in coming months and years, we're looking forward how we can make it even more, more important, more accessible to our customers. Amazing, amazing work, and you know I think it's amazing that you're you're doing everything that you can r- truly with the, with your customers at the the heart of, of everything that you do, as you've as you've said. So yeah, just amazing. So just moving on slightly, obviously the pandemic that's happened, Brexit that's happened, you know the terrible war in Ukraine that in Ukraine that's happening at the moment. All of these have impacted remittance specifically. You know the ability for people to move money across borders, whether that's because they've got family in sanctioned countries or just generally because the market is so volatile. What's your view on the kind of the impact that these things are happening in the world? And what's your, what's your view on how they're impacting money transfer? That's a very interesting topic. I, I think very briefly, if we look over into Ukraine specifically, for example, so what we saw that uh, since the beginning of the war, the average ticket uh, of a typical remittance, you know, transaction has decreased, but the frequently has increased. So that's, you know, one clear insight from what we see. But I think looking maybe more globally, especially if you think about a potential recession, let's say, so, so I think we're at from the economics point of view, there are three types of goods according to how much of them we buy, you know, and consume in correlation with our income levels, like luxury, normal, inferior. And I think most remittances, they belong to a normal goods, and uh, which breaks down into one, one of the categories is the necessity goods. 
And the necessity good is something that's needed for essential human existence, like food, water, medicine, electricity. And that's typically the last thing that people stop buying when the income level declines. And while remittances may not come across, you know, as a necessity good from the sender's point of view, it's very much a necessity good for recipients because most recipients actually depend on uh, on these uh, remittance flows and it provides them with a lifeblood, food, water, medicine, electricity. And there is actually an obligation for most senders, especially in certain communities, certain regions, to actually provide these remittances. So historically, the remittances were the most resilient flows relative to other type of flows during various global, you know, economic, financial events. And it actually sometimes even become even more critical as a source of external financing in many developing countries. So I, I think looking into World Bank's data, while most global economies, and if you come back to the last financial crisis in 2008, let's say, while most global economies had a sharp double-digit decline in their GDP in 2009, migrant remittances volumes were much more resilient. I think it felt modestly during 2018 financial crisis, an average of 5% decline globally, and later recovering with 11% year-on-year growth in low-medium income countries in 2010. So I think our base case scenario, we estimate from 5 to 15% decrease in overall global remittances over the next, let's say, 12-18 months, again, depending on how uh, of a potential recession impact. But on the other hand, I think, again, we operate as, as a transfer goal, we're operating in a digital remittances. And if you think about the whole pie, cash and digital, over the years, the digital part was growing. And sometimes what we saw even with pandemic, for example, that there was an increase, the boost in acceleration of adopting uh, digital remittances, you know, into digitization of the market. So potentially, you know, these negative impacts on a global level to some extent could be reduced or offset by more people moving into digital channels as well, which are typically tend to be cheaper, faster, more convenient. So, so yeah, that's that's how we see <laughs> the market, the potential impact, you know, to the market and to our business in the next 12, 18 months. And do you, do you think that the the impact of exactly what you've described, which is, I guess, a less dependency on cash and a more dependency on digital is actually going to drive innovation in the market, you know, with the likes of, you know, Western Union, who are, you know, maybe a, a, an archaic business in, in some respects with the, with, the, with the cash first focus. Do you think that the, the likes of TransferGo are kind of paving the way for the future of, of digital remittance? And in, in that, do you think that's kind of where the market's going? Yeah, of course. I, I, th- I think that always when we see a new cycle in our economy or, you know, a slowdown, I think this is where typically the most innovation is happening. So I think like, you know, people say, build the dip. <laughs> so this, this is the time to build, I think, time to innovate. And yes, and, and I think there will be other businesses who take that opportunity as well, which we can partner to. So I think uh, we're looking both internally at TransferGo, how we can scale more efficiently during this time. Again, especially as the demand for digital is increasing. But at the same time, I think all the innovation happening, again, within the TransferGo, even outside the TransferGo, we're looking, okay, how this can help 
you know, especially our segment, our migrants to move money faster, as well as to reduce the cost of transaction, because we want money fast, but at the same time, you know, we want actually the savings. If you think about the community, those communities, every saving we can produce to them actually helps to improve their lives. So I think it is really important, you know, to innovate uh, on these angles like speed, cost, because that will help essentially to get us closer to our vision. Absolutely. And with, you know, remittance is a fairly saturated industry. And and what we're typically seeing now is, you know, experts in the market who are coming out and maybe specializing in a particular diaspora community or or a specific type of migrant that's that's living in a specific country. And do you think that there is still room to innovate within the remittance market? Do you still think there's room to grow as as a company, um, not specifically for TransferGo, but for for new businesses that are entering the market? Of course. I think it is market where I don't think one winner can take all because of some characteristics and dynamics of uh, how remittances work. And I think at least for us, you know, the, adva- the competitive advantages we have is, is how well you understand the communities, the customers, the localization. So let's say if you, and that, you know, it's very market by market. Some, you can replicate sometimes by regions, you know, some countries closer to each other maybe have similar din- dynamics. But typically, let's say if you move to the regions further away, you need localization. And I think this is, again, especially in our core markets we're operating, I think this is what we think doing really well, understanding those communities, understanding how to do localization, how to find the product market fit. And, you know, the biggest challenge in each market, let's say corridor market, is the product market fit. And I think the biggest mistake probably anyone can do is just take, you know, the product which works in uh, country X and just uh, offer the same product in country Y. So that doesn't scale. And trust, again, trust not necessarily scales from one community to another. You need to start your, you know, playbook again and again in each community to build that trust as a brand, as a provider. And for most, let's say, again, for both for us, for our companies, I think the mission, having a true mission at the core, I think this is what helps a lot, you know, especially in the decision-making, into a challenge, into making trade-offs at the challenging situations. And then customer centricity. Again, this is, as I mentioned before, I think at the core of TransferGo, having a top-class especially with these vulnerable customers, again, uh, underserved customers. Like having a true caring support, I think, uh, again, helps to build that trust and, you know, helps to develop that loyalty and community. So for us, I think the key, one of the success criteria is uh, if in the markets we're operating, customers think that that service was built by people from their country, that indicates that when we did a really good job with uh, our, you know, both product market fit as well as, you know, building trust and expanding our brand marketing. Yeah, no, it, it's really interesting. And clearly, you know, as a market leader, TransferGo have got it right from the beginning. So, yeah. And it's, just... a, it's a journey. I think it's, you know, it's something you, you need to try, learn, adjust. But yes, I think uh, at least that customer centricity, I agree in that with you. It, it was, you know, from the beginning, it was. Yeah, for sure. 
And just in a, so what's next for transfer go? You know, you're a market leader in particularly in the UK market. You're a very well known brand. What where, where do you go next? What what's coming down the line? Yeah, so we scaled massively, you know, since our inception as a business. So you can expect to see more of that over the coming years. I think we're expanding to new regions. We're looking a lot into Africa receive. Uh, so we have a rich history of working closely with international financial institutions to expand the payment network and deliver new payment innovation. And again, this is where we worked a lot with a currency cloud for, for a long time. And all this, all this is done you know, with the objective in mind to ensure that we can provide migrants with a fast, uh, efficient, cost-effective money transfers. And again, one recent example is where we partnered to the checkout and scaled payments with checkout.com and scaled payments into 153 countries. And this is while working together with the card schemes, MasterCard and Visa, this enabled us to offer real-time payments transfers directly to billions of bank cards. So I think these type of innovations is definitely we will continue offering. And again, on, on top of that, we're always looking how, how to enhance the life of our customers by providing potentially even broader range of, of services. So yeah, so you could definitely expect uh, to see more from us in, in, in coming months and years. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to seeing the innovation that I'm, I'm sure you're going to deliver to the market. And then, so outside of TransferGo, just generally as a, you know, as a, as a fintech founder, what excites you about the fintech market right now? Yeah, so, so I think definitely these days, Web3, the blockchain technology is definitely very interesting and we keep a very close eye. And I think there are a lot of opportunities how innovations in this space will be able to offer better financial services to underserved, to unbanked, and financially underserved customers like migrants. And if you take even like, I think this distributed or decentralized finance, let's say if you take a basic thing, which you know still exists in the market, if you even think about credit score, that usually doesn't scale beyond the country you stay in. And especially if you're migrant, you could have you know the best credit score in the world in your home market. But if you come to the UK, if you come to Germany, any other country, you will need to start from zero. And this is you know something which in a decentralized or distributed world, this is something you can easily take with you and improve on top of that. So I, I think there is a lot of opportunity. You know, these technologies can bring on a table. And I'm pretty sure, you know, both Currency Cloud and TransferGo and other fintech players in the industry looking into this. And I think it will help to improve our operations, which potentially, again, could offer a lower cost uh, or even a faster services to our customers, irrespective of whether that will be, you know, just the backend things which we will use behind the scenes to improve a service or potentially even some services which we may expose to our, our customers directly. So I think there is a lot and especially, again, as discussed previously, a potential slowdown could even increase accelerate the in, in innovation in the space so we might see you know a lot of new things in the next uh, year or two coming uh, out of this industry yeah excited to see and uh, more of a personal question but were you a kind of an early stage crypto blockchain investor or have you, have you steered cleared of the volatile markets 
I would say it's, I stayed clear of the volatile market, but at least from a market research point of view, you, you know, I do like to to try myself to, to understand how it works. So definitely, you know, not an investment advice, but I think from the learning point of view, I definitely suggest people who are interested to at least, you know, have a small budget, which you would otherwise probably spend on a beer. <laughs> Uh, you know, to just uh, invest in, and, and I think this is a very good time now to invest into educating yourself, you know, you know into, there, there, there are plenty of online courses, free ones, you know, you can look into YouTube just to understand the technology, then you can even try to play with the technology. I think first, which is really important in this market is an understanding security, because uh, opposite to maybe centralized, uh, you know, finances, if you lose your, let's say, password, you potentially could use all your money. So I think understanding these basic things and differences, you know, between centralized financial services and decentralized, uh, I think, uh, is key. So I, I would definitely start with, you know, education part and then potentially just trying yourself, playing around before you make any any decisions. Yeah, I think it's probably wise advice. Wise advice indeed. So Justin, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic. And just as a final thing before we go, for anyone in our community that is interested in reaching out to, to you and TransferGo, what, what's the easiest way for, the, for them to do that? Yeah, we, we have, I think the easiest and best way is our LinkedIn page. I think we, 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 we've been spending more time and focus on enhancing and sharing more stories, what's happening inside TransferGo and sharing customer stories as well. So if you're interested in, uh, in our mission, into, into our journey, definitely please uh, subscribe and follow us on, on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Ned, thank you very much for for having us on the show. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.